while the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know we're for. We're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. From the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem to see this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen. Well, amen. That is the Christmas story as many of us know it. Okay, how many people remember hearing Linus read that in the Charlie Brown Christmas special? 
every time I hear that, I will still think of that because that is, even though I grew up in the home of two pastors, that is the first time those words really spoke to me was an animated form. But that is the account so many of us are familiar with and the account of Jesus' birth that has captured so many of our imaginations. Now, how many of you um, decorate your homes with a nativity scene? Anybody, this look familiar to you? You have one of these donning your um, mantle. Okay, growing up, my mom tried so hard to put together a nativity scene, but we always lost baby Jesus, like every single darn year. Anybody else lose baby Jesus? Yeah, I guess that's not a good omen. Um, but do you know, there are thousands, actually in the millions of nativity sets that are put up all across the world every year at Christmas time. This picture, this image that Luke gives us of baby Jesus being born in a field captures our imagination, so much so that even the makers of Legos have um, got on board. And you can get yourself, let me see if I can bring it up, a Lego nativity set. What, what? So if you don't want to just celebrate the birth of Christ, you, can, you want a challenge too. You can build your own nativity. Um, I even saw a Star Wars nativity set with the Death Star replacing the Bethlehem Star. But that just seems very counterintuitive to the whole story. <laughs> um, and if you're just real minimalist or lazy, you can get this version of the nativity. <laughs> All you got to do tonight is get those Jenga pieces and write names and set them up. I love it. Anybody when you were a kid, participate like in a live nativity scene. Come on, any sheep and shepherds in here? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, I was a mouse in the nativity scene. <laughs> Y'all did not hear of any mice in that story, did you? They're not featured. <laughs> but they did not know what to do with this scrappy, eager little child. So they were like, you can be a mouse, Joy. So I was a mouse in the nativity scene. But this story captures our hearts and our attention. It's what so many of us think of when we think of Christmas. Baby Jesus lying in the manger. And those sheep weren't stinky. They were like the clean kind, you know? It was a beautiful, serene, idyllic night. But many of us forget this is not the only story of Jesus' birth told. So why is it the one that captures our imagination so much? In fact, for Jesus' life, there are four accounts of Jesus' life that were given with four followers of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were first century followers of Jesus, and they set out to record all of the events of the life and times of Jesus, which is pretty spectacular that we still have four accounts, surviving documents of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, because in ancient history, you could barely find one account of a historical person or event, let alone two or three or four. But all four of these followers set out to tell the story of Jesus because they realized that in Jesus, something happened that changed everything. And friends, that's why we celebrate Christmas. And that's why we call it the most wonderful time of the year not because of what is happening around us, not because of our circumstances, because sometimes those are not always the most wonderful, 
but we call it the most wonderful time of year because we believe something happened in the first century in this man, Jesus, that changed the world. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell us about this, but only three of them tell us about the birth of Jesus. Of all of these accounts, we get just three stories from Matthew, Luke, and John. Luke is the one we just heard Elizabeth read, the most popular account, the beautiful nativity scene that now is all over the country right now as decoration. But Matthew and John kind of give their own take on the narrative of Jesus's birth. Because if you're gonna tell the story of the life and the death and the resurrection and times of Jesus, it makes sense to start with his birth. But when you read Matthew's account, you get a very different story than the nativity scene. Instead of Matthew placing Jesus in the Judean countryside at like the nativity B and B, you get Jesus on the world stage. We read of a tyrannical leader, this man named King Herod, who was a puppet client king for the Roman Empire, and he was vicious. History tells us he was a mean, power-hungry man who would do anything to grab and hold and keep power. And we get his story. We hear of these three men, we so fondly call them today, the three wise men or the magi. And there are these three religious priests who are not anywhere in the vicinity of where Jesus is from, but they come from a foreign land far, far away because they're astrologers. And they have seen this astrological event in the sky, which we call today the star of Bethlehem or star of David. And they see it and they follow it to the place where Jesus is born because to them that signals that there must be a new world leader that has come into being because of such a sign that the heavens have given. And so when you hear the story of Jesus' birth as told by Matthew, it's against the backdrop of all these other events happening in the world, of these other figures in the world. And Jesus' story is told at the intersection of power and influence, of big names, of big events, that something is happening. And we even read in Matthew, that these leaders like Herod and the Roman Empire, they, they worry about what does it mean that there's a new king that's being born? What does it mean for us and our power and what we garner in the world? And I think Matthew does that on purpose because he gives us this story of meaning to Jesus' life. He tells us, lets us know kind of clues us to the fact that when Jesus comes into the world, it challenges all the powers that be. That Jesus coming into the world is the point at which every other leader, influence, system, and power comes under the light of justice and must contend with the righteous one. And for many of us, reading that story at Christmas is really powerful because we need a God whose power is bigger than the powers at play in our world. How many of us sometimes read headlines and stories and scratch our heads and think, who elected these people? And then you're like, oh gosh, yes, I, I'm a voter. 
Sometimes we need to know when we see systems of oppression at work or systemic failings that there is a God that comes onto the world stage and has something to say about it. That power trembles at the face of this God. That every other power in the world has its limits. And that's what Matthew's story tells us. But then John does something totally different. Again, he doesn't like Luke, he doesn't give us the narrative of this beautiful nativity scene and a baby boy wrapped in swaddling clothes. No, John starts and hearkens his story with in the beginning. And if you've read scripture or been around church for any matter of time, that sounds familiar because that is the very sentence for which our Christian scriptures begin with, in the beginning. And John hearkens back to before time even began. And he says this. He gives us in the most poetic, beautiful language he can give us this story of Jesus. In the beginning was the word, or Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and the word was God. And Jesus was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. And he continues on and he says this, and it's so beautiful and poetic. He says, and in him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and nothing can overcome it. John, he, he tells us that before there was even the world and universe as we know it, when there was simply darkness and dark matter filled everything, God came into the world and said, let there be light. And from that first creative act, all of life as we know it sprung forth. In fact, we know because science tells us that if there was no light in our world, all of life would cease to exist. And so John is telling us that just like God did in the very beginning, literally bringing life into existence, Jesus has come to bring spiritual life to our being, like somebody coming into a dark room and flipping on the switch, turning on the light, Christ is coming and his arrival in the world means we're no longer stuck in darkness. That darkness does not get the end, the last word. And for how many of us, how much of good news is that? Because we know the darkness, not just of lights being turned off, but the darkness of our soul, of loneliness, of grief, of pain, and to hear John say so poetically, no, 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 God comes in and those, that darkness may be there, but it's subject to the light because darkness doesn't exist outside of light. It only exists in relation to light. As many of you know, light, darkness is simply the absence of light. And so John tells us that because of Christ coming into the world, there is a light that rules over even the darkness and put us, puts a stop to darkness in our life. It doesn't get the final word. And these are beautiful stories, and these are beautiful accounts 
of what Christ coming into the world means. And that's mainly what Matthew and John are getting at, what the arrival of Jesus on the world stage means for us. But Luke, he's done something completely different with this whole nativity scene thing. He's done something completely different by putting Jesus as a baby. Here, the world is dark. Here, the world needs a powerful leader and savior. And what does Luke give us? A baby. Luke gives us a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And it seems like we could have used or we can use a lot of times Matthew and John's story of Jesus a little bit more, has a little bit more teeth to it. But I think there's something Luke knows that is so easy for us to forget. And what is so powerful when we hear those words read again about a baby being the gift we're given, especially when the world is dark. Some of you guys know that Almost two years ago, I gave birth to my second son, Max, and he was a surprise to us, and a beautiful surprise. But the day that I gave birth to Max was the day that the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic. The day poor Max made his entry into the world, the world was going into lockdown and shutdown. Now, I was busy, like, having a baby that morning, so I didn't quite read the, the news headlines and didn't know what was happening. But I remember later that night asking my husband, honey, why has no one come to the hospital to see our new baby? Like, our family lives in town. This is kind of a big deal. I was a little offended, you know. Other people had important things to do. And he told me and looked at me and said, oh, goodness, honey, you don't know. And I thought, oh, God, what don't I know? And he proceeded to tell me everything that was happening. And I just remember, as probably many of you felt as you listened in on the news and figured out and tried to get your brain around what was happening in 2020, I just remember terror pouring over me and sobbing. Here we had just had this beautiful new baby and what were we doing? We didn't know we were bringing a baby into all of this. If I would have known, I would have said, stay in there, don't come. Now's not a good time. And I remember a few days later us driving home and I, I thought I was doing better. And then we drove in downtown Dallas where we live and there were no cars on the road and everything was shut down like a ghost town. And it felt like a scene out of I Am Legend. Have you seen that zombie apocalypse movie? And again, the terror rushed in and I thought, are we living at the end of the world? What is happening? But before I began to cry again, I remember looking over at that beautiful baby sleeping in his car seat, unaware that anything was going on or wrong in the world. And I looked at his perfect skin, his perfectly shaped lips, and counted all of his fingers and his toes. And I just marveled that it, amid all the chaos, there was this beautiful new life 
of all the things I probably would have asked for to get through a pandemic, I wouldn't have put a baby at the top of the list. But let me tell you, every time I was tempted to say 2020 is the worst and curse it, all I could do was look at Max and remember, nope, it's not, it's not over. It's not the end because here, here is new life staring right back at me, even in the middle of this chaos. That is why I think Luke, when he tells the story of Jesus, he doesn't pen a story about a leader coming on the scene and power trembling at the face of this baby. He doesn't write maybe like John does, even though it's poetic and beautiful, the story of light breaking in the darkness. He writes of a baby. Because when we needed hope, when we needed to know that there, the world was not ending, God sent us a baby. God came as a baby. And I have to imagine that there were times that as Luke was penning his account, he remembered sitting and talking to Mary and the way she recounted her feelings and her fear and the uncertainty she felt in the world she lived in and bringing this baby into it. But the twinkle in her eye when she told Luke about what Jesus looked like as a baby, how she held him when he cried and how she believed that was her sign that hope was coming. There's that Christmas carol and maybe you know it. It says, Mary, did you know? Since I've had a child, I've become, um, I've come to dislike that song because let me tell you friends, she knew. <laughs> Mary was the only darn one in the world who understood and knew when she looked at her baby that it meant everything was different. It's the same way we feel when we think of babies and infants. There is new life. And that's why I think that story of Christmas captures our attention because that is at the heartbeat of the Christmas story is that the way your life is today is not the way it has to be tomorrow. That no matter what your background has been, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what is good or bad or somewhere in between going on in your life, new life and new hope. And God is always breaking in, busting in on the scene. And there is nothing that can stop it because nothing can stop new life. One of my favorite authors, I want to close on this. She says this. She pondered the risk of having a baby during the Cold War. And she wrote this when she pondered the story of Mary. She said, this is no time for a child to be born. With the earth betrayed by war and hate and a comet slashing the sky to warn that time runs out and the sun burns late. That was no time for a child to be born in a land in the crushing grip of Rome. Honor and truth were trampled by scorn, yet here did the Savior make his home. When is the time for love to be born? The inn is full on planet Earth, and by a comet the sky is torn, yet love still takes the risk 
of birth. Friends, this Christmas, would you remember that new life is possible because God took the risk of birth, even when the world was its darkest. And God still takes a risk and a chance on you and me every day. And because he shows up, there is a new story that is possible in our lives. As we close tonight, we're going to do something that Christians have done for centuries. And so I want you to grab your candle. And we're going to turn these on in just a moment. So before you turn them on and sing Silent Night together, which has been a tradition in the Christian church for centuries but as we do tonight, I pray that this candle and this looking around and seeing all the candles lit in here is a reminder that the good news, the hope of Christmas often starts as small as a flickering candle, as small as an infant child, but it grows and it burns brighter. And as we all let that burn and well up within us, it creates a light that is unextinguishable, a light that lights up every dark place in our lives and in every corner of the world. So would you join with me in turning on your light and let us sing together, Silent Night. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? Visit UptownChurchDallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace. <laughs>